Hello, welcome to this special Ask Me Anything episode of Impact the World. Thank you for tuning in on the podcast. And for those of you who may want to submit a question to me for a future episode, you can do so by leaving a question inside a review. So if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there, pop your question inside. And what we do is we go through and curate those questions and include a few from my portal members community and try and create a good cross section of questions. We had some great questions and I'm gonna do my best to answer them. So let's get started with question number one. People are so excited and eager to resume in-person interactions as we come out of the past two years of social restrictions. I feel just the opposite. I experienced freedom, relief, safety, and a newly excavated sense of real authenticity through not having to engage in person. I discovered a deeper, more sincere level of caring for myself and others during this time. It's hard and isolating to feel such reluctance to re-engage in the face of a world of people who are so excited to do that, which I dread. Am I the only one feeling this way, or am I just differently made? I love your question for a few different reasons. Uh, firstly, just quickly, no, you're definitely not the only one feeling this way. I've spoken to many people who feel that way, and I've noticed for myself, and I've spoken to people in my life about this too, that it's a little bit strange for those of us who got used to having to be more isolated as we re-enter society. So I do think there is a cultural energy going round of strangeness around reenacting with one another and interacting with one another again. That said, I love what you focused on in your question, how you share that because of the restrictions of the last couple of years, you actually found a deeper relationship with yourself and with caring for yourself, but also caring for others. So my personal hope is that more of us coming out of this time are taking less things for granted in life, whether that's the fact that we can be with our loved ones and spend time with them, or not necessarily taking our own energy for granted in the way that we used to. I know for myself there was certainly a less conscious busyness going on in the outside world that I was also a part of that feels different for me now. So I don't think you have to rush back out there in any hurry and you can certainly wait for the crowds who are excited to die down a little bit. I, I think it's a new beginning. It's you going back out into the world in a new way, which many of us are feeling and finding a new way of choosing to be in more authentic or supportive environments, relationships, interactions, and that if they aren't what the world is offering you, that you can choose to step back and take time and just be with the people where that level of intimacy or safety is present. So rather than seeing it as an either or, does it feel possible for you to look at it as noticing what you've cultivated and not having to let that go, but instead inviting your new self in this new phase that we're in as a world to not let go of some of those important values of yours, feeling safe, feeling authentic, being able to take care of yourself and take care of others, and asking your future relationships to model and represent and be that. So I really love your question because I think it's something that many of us have either thought of or are dealing with. And my hope is that we can learn to be more authentic and more present than we perhaps were before because of this enormous shift that we've gone through the last couple of years. Thank you for your question. When you and others speak about downloads, what does that mean exactly? Can you explain it in simple terms, please? 
Downloads is a word that I would hear people using. And so like many, I started to use it myself. And for me, a download simply means either a vision, an intuition or clarity. So for example, I could receive a download about a friendship I'm in where perhaps there's something I'm concerned about with a friend and I'm not sure whether or not they're okay. And one day I'm walking along and I think about them and I, I get this intuitive moment of clarity or something that feels true about them pops in and I get a download of, no, they're not okay. They're, they're definitely, there's something going on with them and perhaps you should have a conversation with them about it. Equally, downloads are often used in the spiritual community to explain our visions or our epiphanies. Some people talk about what they receive in channeling or in conversations with their guides or their angels as downloads. I have a very good intuitive friend who gets a lot of imagery around people. So she might be sitting with you at coffee and you're having a conversation about something and all of a sudden she gets this download, a vision about you and your life that she may choose to share. So downloads are usually the way that I notice people using that term, a vision that you've had, an intuition that you've had, or a sudden awareness, and they come in quite quickly. So for those of us who are used to being in the intuitive realms, that's quite a normal thing for those of us who are there. But if you're new to your intuition, you're just opening up or you're going through an awakening right now, those downloads when they first come can be really amazing. You're like, wow, all the lights went on. Oh my God, I'm suddenly receiving this message or seeing this thing. And I, I think the most important thing with any download we receive is to ask ourselves, how does it feel to me? Is this something I need to act on or is this something I can just sit with? I'm a big fan of being grounded with any of our intuitions, visions or downloads and only acting on the ones that feel comfortable and safe to do so, especially if it involves other people. So that's my experience of what people mean when they use the term downloads. Lee, can you talk a little bit about some of the resistance you initially felt when you started channeling and heard that you were supposed to go in a different direction from the one you'd been on? I think a lot of us could benefit from hearing about the negotiation that took place within you and how you moved through doubt of yourself and of the vision to implement your soul's calling and elevate your purpose. It's a great question and it's funny, isn't it? Because my experience of it was, was not perhaps as uh, magnificent sounding as, as your beautiful question. It was a lot more mundane, it was a lot more day by day and it was a lot more step by step. So I never thought when I first heard my guides that it would be my calling. Initially, I really was aware that it was there for me and that it was something that I could tap into and help me with my life. And so I was never ever resistant to channeling itself. I was very resistant to being public about it, even with my small friends community, because, you know, I could see the kind of crap that was, you know, it could get me into. Um, you know, I'd seen people's judgments. Uh, still today, you will see people um, who channel or who are intuitive, it's kind of the modern day witch hunt. You know, you'll get called certain things and, and certain people won't be afraid to come after you with their modern day uh, pikes and sticks through judgment or through words or through separation or through skepticism. So I think it was always that that was the thing that I didn't really want to have to deal with because having been othered in my life through a few different areas. Uh, by the time the channeling came along, I didn't want to take on another other. Now, I will also say that the gift for me was being willing to do it because it helped undo some of my own conditioning, some of my own beliefs about uh, the idea that I perhaps was supposed to try and connect with everybody. And I was definitely learning some 
difficult personal relationship boundary lessons at that time around trusting that even though we're all one here on a spiritual level, it doesn't mean we're all going to get along, agree with each other, uh, be the right person for each other on any given day. So I would say that the resistance I felt to channeling was always about how it would affect others in the positive or the negative. And after doing readings for people in my life at the encouragement of a few spiritual friends, I started to notice that people were getting benefit from it. And one of the things I learned quite quickly through channeling that I didn't really understand at the beginning is as a channeler, perhaps the most useful thing you're doing, not to take away from the information that you might get for somebody or that might come through, but perhaps the most useful thing you're doing is creating an intuitive energy field that another person can witness or energetically receive with the idea being that it can then open them up. Doesn't mean it will open everybody up to channeling because not everybody's going to hear their guides. But for me, there are whole realms in spirituality that I'm not as connected to that other people are connected to. You know, I've got friends who are incredibly elemental and they're very at one with the spirit of nature. And I have my moments around that, but for me, my strongest connection came through my guides. They were what opened the doors to universal consciousness. And that in turn has and continues to change me as a human. So I would say that I never ever thought uh, it would be something I would be doing on the scale I'm doing it now. And quite honestly, a few times I almost pulled the plug because uh, I didn't necessarily want to have channeling get in the way of me connecting with people. And of course, the opposite's true because in a way channeling and my allowing that to be part of my purpose um, has connected me in so many different ways. So I would say that the resistance comes and goes. I'm not resistant to it at all in the way I used to be, but I, I still have to make choices uh, from time to time um, around how much I channel, where I channel. But I will say that it constantly, constantly, I, I feel called forward by it. And I feel like I have had to grow as a person in many different ways in order to allow myself to stand for that. And I would say that the greatest thing it, it, it's probably taught me on a personal level, based on my makeup and my social conditioning, is uh, it's okay to be completely different and it's totally fine that some people might think you're nuts, crazy. Uh, you know, there's, there's all of those things that perhaps I was initially afraid of. In a way, it's made me go, oh, what an interesting world we live in and everyone has different opinions. And I know that the people I like hanging out with, they're not out there trying to attack other people. That's not really their MO and that's not how they're playing their wounds out. They're playing their wounds out in a different way. So I would say that that's kind of tied up with some of my resistance around channeling more how it would be received by others or, or if it would negatively impact my life. So far, um, the experience has been the opposite. So I would say that one of the things that channeling has the power to do is to help other people open up their intuition. And that is the thing that has been most interesting to me especially in this last decade of doing it. In this last 10 years of the 18 years I've done it publicly, it's very interesting to me to see how many people who connect with channeling start to naturally deepen their intuition. And that to me is part of the power of it. So thank you for your question. This next question kind of relates to the last one. What was the impetus of writing your second channeled book? What do you hope your readers take away from Conversations with Disease, book one? The impetus for writing my second channel book uh, was none at all. <laughs> I, uh, I'd been playing with ideas of another book, but I didn't think it would be a channeled book. I asked Diana Edwards, who is a psychotherapist, 
if she would do some recorded conversations with me and the Z's, so my guides, the Z's, while I was channeling them, because we had done that personally many times and there'd always been this incredible resonance between she and the Z's. She asked great questions. Uh, so we actually got together to do a few recordings for my portal online community. And it was the first night we had done two recordings that I got a download. Going back to the question that we had earlier, I was in the little um, cottage I was in and uh, it had gone so well and I was so struck by the energy in the room and we knew that something was happening and I literally heard these can be books and we think they should be books and there's going to be several of them. And so I was like, oh, okay. So of course I had a choice. I could have uh, refused or said no, but it, it seemed like a really good idea. So um, Conversations with Disease book one is the beginning of a series. Um, book two will be coming out in 2023. And what I hope people get from it and what I have heard people who have heard the recordings in the portal have got from it is it grounds a lot of the bigger spiritual concepts and a lot of that is because of the way that Diana is asking these questions and where she's coming from. So in a way it starts to make the world of energy a little more understandable on a human level and that's what I hope people take away from it. I hope that they enjoy it, I hope that they're entertained by it, I hope that they find it inspiring and uplifting and I, I've heard those things from people who've heard the recordings but I also hope that it starts to, for those of us who are sensitive to energy and sensitive to the world of energy, that there are at least a few things in each of these books that can help the reader or the listener crystallize their awareness. And I feel like it's a, it's a bit of a bridge to energy awareness. And so even though there are so many topics covered, the end result is a slightly thinner veil on what's in the world of spirit and, and, and how we're interacting with that on a very human grounded level every day. That's my hope. Thank you for your question. I have found through working with hundreds of people one-on-one -on -one over the course of the past decade that I'm finding myself in the realm of compassion fatigue and my energy is scattered. The tools I usually use to assist myself are not helping as they used to in the past. My question to Lee, have you experienced compassion fatigue? And if so, what have you found to help? I think this is a great question because I think it's very common. It's something I have had firsthand experience of, but it's also something that having worked with lots of people who are healers, uh, sensitives, empaths, and particularly people who consciously use their healing energy in their life. So whether you are a parent who is really dedicated to your children's lives or whether you are someone who works as a nurse in a hospital and you're really conscious about the way that you are holding energy or space for people, or maybe you are a healer by trade and you are constantly interacting with the energy of others and wanting to uplift it, support it, hold it. There's always like a, a period that we go through, and usually it's actually several periods, where we have to up level the way we work. So for me, I had to, you know, through therapy, self-growth work, lots of things that I did to try and continually heal myself, and that's been all my life. But there was a period where I started to identify the fixer in me, the part of me that in a way was natural for the job I had, but also that it could run me into trouble if I didn't know how to turn it off or when to turn it off. And I really started to dig into some of my own childhood patterns, early adult life patterns, started to pay attention to them and to see perhaps why I got myself in those roles with certain people. It showed up in friendships, it showed up in romantic relationships. And equally, you know, I was the beneficiary of other friends in my life who might help me fix myself from time to time. So 
I wasn't only fixed in that one role, but I was curious about what is the shadow side of this role for me? Why am I not able to be in the room with this person's feelings and not necessarily have to do anything about it, just to let their feelings be there? Because I'd gotten to a bit of a transactional relationship with a few different people where the expectation was they could come to me to feel better and I would serve that purpose. So there have been a few times in my life where I've had to learn how to hold that more lightly, not all the time, but the ability to hold that role in myself lightly when needed so that I don't burn out, so that I don't run into compassion fatigue. The way I kind of look at compassion fatigue now, it's usually one of two things. We're burnt out, you know, we're, we're, we're stressed, we're tired, we've overgiven and we haven't been looking after ourselves. We haven't been doing the things that we need to do to fill ourselves back up, especially if your role is very demanding in the world. And there are many people right now who will be tuning in on this, who perhaps you're in such a tough spot with the amount of dependence you have in your life. But the only way you'll survive being that person who has to give out is if you also know how to fill yourself up and if you make sure that at least a few of your relationships have enough reciprocal energy that you're not feeling like you're stuck in a role and no one is seeing you for you. They're seeing you for what you do for them or how you make them feel. And that's, those are two different things. So I think firstly, we have to look at the balance in our life and ask ourselves, am I giving myself enough balance in my life or do I need to shift some of these dynamics in these relationships where they're dependent on me fixing them? You know, it's, it's like anyone who's in a healing or a caring profession, probably to balance it, a lot of the people I've known, they need time off from that responsibility so that they, they get the balance right. But the other side of it, and this, this is where I kind of feel into you right now and you the questioner, and I think this is true for many, you're changing the way you work in the world and you're letting go of old, ways of being. And that's why the old tools aren't working. The old things that used to bring you life or joy or replenishment. So to recognize that you're going through this transition and also first and foremost, it's okay if you've got compassion fatigue. Ask yourself, am I judging myself harshly for this? Am I beating myself up? Because normally my MO is to give compassion and that's part of the role I've identified myself with. And so all of a sudden I'm really freaking out that I'm no longer behaving the way that I and others are used to me behaving. That's a really good thing. You're going through a renegotiation and if you're naturally somebody who values compassion, which you clearly are, you will come back to having compassion, but you just perhaps won't be necessarily extending it out without making sure that you're being compassionate to yourself. Because often when we're in a compassion fatigue moment, it means we've been more compa compassionate to others than we perhaps have been to ourselves. We haven't necessarily looked after ourselves the way we're thinking that we can be superhuman and look after everyone else. Or we have relationship dynamics in our life where we're all agreeing that that person takes and we give. And those relationships hit roadblocks pretty quickly. So to me, you're in a, a renewal around the way that you operate. And it doesn't mean you won't still be a compassionate person, but it does mean you've come to the end of the road in the way that you used to offer compassion, the way that you used to maintain and balance it in and for yourself. It's a great thing, actually. It might feel uncomfortable at the moment, but you're going through one of those stages that we all go through as humans and or people who work in healing, where you have to grow and shift in order to keep doing what you're doing at the next level, in the next phase of your life and in the next phase of what we're going through as a collective. And it's quite normal for your usual go-to tools to change at a certain point and for you to need to find other things. So good luck with your quest and thank you for the question.
I keep finding myself with a strong sense of hopelessness. If I had to put words to it, I would probably ask, what's the point if all already seems doomed? Especially as a young person, it feels like my life will only get worse from here. How could I face this sense of eternal doom? There are a few different ways I've heard of people working through something like this. You know, there are some people who will say, well, just face it head on and let it engulf you. And for some people, at some times, that can be true. Then there are other people who will ask you, have you always had this? Is there something you need to look at in your physical chemistry? Is there an imbalance going on that you're not aware of? I've, I've seen many people who have had really chronic depression for a long time start to address their physical needs in a different way with supplements and exercises, and they notice a big shift. So that's also an area to look. But what I get most from your question, apart from obviously feeling for you, being in that place, is to me, I'm wondering what in your life is missing to connect you to life itself rather than this feeling of doom because we could ask 30 different people how they feel about whether or not this world is doomed and you'll get 30 very different answers and some people might say well i am a bit worried about x y and z in the world right now but then if you ask them tell me something that you enjoyed this past week or this past month many of them are going to be able to give you those things and so the fact that you said you have this sense of doom, my first question to you would be, are there people, places, things in your life that give you life, that give you a sense of life? Because if we go big picture for a second, in terms of our human lives, we are all in a sense doomed at some point to die. Like none of us are getting you know, taking these bodies with us at the end of our lives. And having been with a number of people at the end of their life who've had diagnoses, so they're not necessarily in their 80s, 90s or hundreds, but they're younger. So many of them, when they have those diagnoses, everything gets very crystal clear in their life. And they know what they want to focus on in a way that I think the amnesia of our social conditioning that we've all been trained into, there isn't enough spoken in our lives about how precious and how short life itself is. And my guides will often say, there are so many things around us that we miss that are beautiful examples of presence and life and love. So I'm not sure with you whether you've had a particularly rough set of relationships in your life or you haven't known love, or you had a particularly traumatic childhood, the fact that you say you feel this sense of doom, to me, it makes me want to ask you, where are you focusing your energy? What are you listening to? What are you reading? Who are you giving your time to? Because the truth from a spiritual perspective, and this is not just coming from you know my own channeling, this is things I've read and heard ever since I started researching self-growth and spirituality is that none of us really know when our time is up. You know, very few of us know, oh, I'm about to die, I'm about to leave the planet. So if your sense of doom is personal, if it's about the end of your life or what isn't in your life, you have an opportunity right now to Give yourself the support and the care and perhaps the mentoring you might need to help get you out of this. I think it's very courageous that you know where you are and you had the fortitude to even write that question. It's actually a positive when you can realize you're dealing with severe depression, feeling lifeless, feeling like there's nothing is worth the point. And I've been in that place three times in my life so far and I know so many people who are so grateful for life today, as am I, who have all been in those places too. So the question I have for you is, is this eternal sense of doom coming from history in your past and trauma that you're carrying that you could really focus on working on? 
or is it a byproduct of where you're focusing your attention, your time, what kind of media you're watching, who you're influenced by? Because there are so many things that we can be grateful for in life. And I'm always reminded of that with the people who have nothing and have very little freedom in their life in the way that many of us in the West might have a different sense of freedom. It's amazing to see their connection to life, to gratitude, to the small moments. So I ask you some of those questions because the sense of doom you're feeling, is it personal or is it collective? And I'm with you in that there are many things that we can worry about in the world right now, but I'm also here for it. I'm here for all of the ups and downs of life. And I can say that because I have worked to cultivate certain things in my life, many of which I had to work for and I had to heal aspects of myself in order to get to. So if I were you, I would make choosing life the focus of your next year. And I would support that with as many people, pastimes, mentors, people who can help support that goal in you as you can. When I was at my lowest point, when I wasn't even sure if I wanted to carry on living, I told myself, well, if this is how low I've gone, imagine what could be on the other side when I transform, because I understood the dark night of the soul. And it was pretty brutal for me, but I gave myself a year and I told myself over the next year, be patient and see if you can start to be grateful for certain things, notice the blessings, find good moments. So if I were you, I would look into that as well as checking out your body, supplementation, but you probably already know the answer based on your history. Is this something you had since you were a kid? Or is this something that life has given you because of the experiences you've had so far? We can create incredible change in our life. And so I really hope for you, you can find the changes and the support that you need to make that can help you feel grateful for the sunshine in your life, whether that be the sun itself or whether that be people or experiences that you get to have. I hope that helps. And thank you for asking the question. I feel quite consumed right now with the busyness of managing life logistics, such as taxes, managing financial uncertainties with my business, etc. A big part of me wants to stop, be quiet, meditate, listen, and calm my nervous system so I can experience the specialness of this time and ascension energy. How can one navigate these polar opposite energies and the frustrating busyness of these times in order to focus on soul desires? It's a great question and I think it's a question that we're in some ways always exploring as human beings. Firstly, I would say to you, just listening to your question, it's really important that you give yourself a bit more time away from those other tasks because probably only you are going to be the person to do that. No one else is going to be monitoring you or supporting you to do that. If there's a calling inside you to give yourself a bit more time away from the productivity and the doing, this might be a real growth edge for you. It might be tough to do that. You might notice resistance. You might be more used to the productivity side of things. And I think for many of us, we tend to have our safe places in our life, the thing that we are most comfortable in, that we know best. And so challenging ourselves to grow can be difficult. But you're definitely calling out for a little more balance, a little more yin and a little less yang. So I would do what you can to give yourself that. You know, I'll sometimes have times where I feel I can feel a slight, a, too, a little too busyness coming on for me or a little bit of overwhelm. And at that moment, I normally go, okay, well, what can I rearrange? What can I move out so that I keep a balance in my life? And I normally pay attention for those signals and then make changes when those signals come. But the other side of your great question is, the Zs would say, and they do say, that our sole desire is our humanity. 
So they say the lessons that we experience as the human beings that we are down here are why we are here. So we always have the opportunity to create change for ourselves in our lives. But often, and I've done this many times, you know, we'll think of something in our life that we see as a problem or as a barrier to something else. But if you can see it as a clue, if you can ask yourself, if everything was perfect right now, why am I spending so much time on all of this business and all of these taxes? And why am I giving myself far less time in this other arena? And your answer, if you keep asking questions about it, will take you to the root of it. You might uncover some belief that because if I work hard, then I get to relax. Maybe you learned that as a kid. Or, well, I'm responsible for my family, so they need me to provide. Yeah, maybe they do need you to provide, but they also hopefully would want you to be present with them for yourself. So often it's the questions we ask ourselves about the behavior that we keep repeating that we say we want to change that can lead to a breakthrough if you're having trouble taking action. Some people are really good at just going, oh, I realize I'm doing something. I'm just going to change my habit. I've made the decision. Now I'm going to do it. Many of the rest of us, it can be a bit more complex than that. We might need to have an epiphany about why we keep repeating the same behavior that another part of our awareness or our mind or our soul says it doesn't want us to do anymore. Usually when you get to those kinds of roadblocks, it's great to investigate the why of, of how and why you are repeating the same thing that you're saying you want a bit more space from. So I would focus on increasing the amount of time in your life that you get to take care of your soul, your nervous system, your sensitivity, and also ask yourself questions about why it is you think you're so on the hamster wheel with some of these other things. And all of us have to be in that balance. You know, I know very few people who aren't constantly in a a negotiation or a balance in their lives. But the people that I know, and I've got better at this myself too, who have more balance in their life, they are paying as much attention and giving as much awareness to the areas that they're not happy about as they are creating what it is they desire over on the right. So if there's a part of you that's resisting creating what you desire over on the right, it's good to spend some time figuring out what is the belief system, what is the driving force, and what is the reasoning behind this other side of you. And to ask yourself, is it true? Is it true that I have to work 14 hours a day to provide for my family? Or could I work 12 and start there and take two hours back? A dramatic shift might be too much too soon. But when we investigate, we can make small adjustments all along the way. And those small adjustments have really powerful impact on the rest of our life. So thank you for your question. I'm sure many people relate. And I hope some of the things I said can be useful. As a light worker, my romantic relationships have been most challenging. To have the love and grace at the level I envision, it has remained a continuous search, mixed in with deep heartache and breakups. What is this dance? There are a couple of things that come to me that I'll throw your way and see if they relate or not. Um, I have known many, many people who identify as light workers or healers or sensitives who have often gotten themselves into quite strong healing dynamics in relationships. So rather than choosing people who are compatible, you'll choose people who are either a healing for you or because you believe you can help them with their healing. This is quite common and perhaps you've already thought about this yourself or heard about this. But it's quite common for people to take on relationships as projects. I'll give you the classic example. The classic example is being in a relationship with someone's highest potential rather than their actual behavior. So their actual behavior is perhaps very jarring to you because they're a very angry or fiery person. 
And this traumatizes you and it reminds you of the angry people that you were around when you were younger, perhaps, that you also didn't know how to deal with. So you get very triggered by this behavior and a part of you stays there to try and heal it or solve it, or you give yourself the idea that you're helping them because you're there to hold space for them and heal them. So one of the things that the Z's have talked about in all relationships is they say, we need areas of commonality and compatibility. Often we're attracted to people who are different to us, but it shouldn't be so extreme that we don't have some shared, common shared values, desires, ways of being. There normally need to be a good cross-section of commonalities in any relationship for it to work. So the first thing I've shared with you is this tendency in lightworkers, sensitives, healers to take on a relationship as a healing project rather than be in a companionship with somebody or to stay in a very toxic or difficult dynamic because you believe you need to heal more or they need to heal more or you're the solution to their healing. You know, relationships are always going to be healing. Uh, there's always going to be a, a level of healing in our relationships. But if we are used to the extremes because of our patterns, or if we believe that love should be hard or difficult, or we think that true love means having big fights all the time, then that's what we're going to keep creating. So I would say for you, really get to know yourself and really get honest with yourself about who you are and what you need and what your emotional needs are and what your intellectual needs are and what your practical needs are and what your life needs are and get really, really clear about that. And then work on being comfortable communicating that to all kinds of people in your life, whether it's a friend or a family member Notice if it's hard for you to ask for what you need, ask for what you want. Also notice if people are reacting against you and ask yourself some tough questions. You know, is this because I'm not asking the right way? Is this because I've kind of outstayed my welcome and all I'm ever doing with this person is asking for their help? I haven't really noticed the imbalance in the relationship that's coming from my side. There are lots of ways that we can look at ourselves. So what I would say to you is figure out who you are, what you want, what you need in a relationship, and then open to allowing that level of compatibility to come in. It doesn't mean it won't be without moments where you need to communicate clearly to each other, but ask yourself what you're getting out of this pattern of big dramatic breakups or heartbreak or emotional healing because there will be something in that for you that has been serving you up until this point. But the fact you're asking this question tells me that you really want to break it. But for any of us in relationship, knowing who we are, knowing what we need, knowing what we can give, knowing what we can't, and then being able to be in a dance with someone else and, and communicate that with them and be present for all of that is usually the key to building a foundation of trust. And it usually creates a container where there are less dramatic flare-ups, breakups, because both people feel safe, safe to be seen with the other, safe to be seen by the other, and also that you and your wounds are safe. You're in a safe relationship where you aren't going to be judged or rejected because of them, but the two of you can work together to resolve and heal together in a peaceful way. So I hope that helps and uh, good luck. I recently bought my first home, sold my business of 10 years, and I'm in the process of relocating and giving myself a fresh start. It feels like so many people are in transition right now. I'm curious as to your or the Z's thoughts of the great reordering that is going on in the world right now. Well, we've certainly in the last few years seen more people than ever go through a seismic shift. I think, first of all, it's hard to deny that all of the restrictions that we went through for a good couple of years and more 
uh, didn't have a huge effect on us. It was the first, if you like, break in the social order or the order of the world that many of us, I'm 46, have ever seen in our lifetime. So that in itself has a huge splintering effect on what we know as normal. So I think many people have used it to their advantage and have used it to create something new in their life, in their world, in their career, in their relationships. Other people are still coming back from it, uh, still uh, getting over what they've been through or the negative impacts of that. And then there are many who'll be somewhere in between. So the Z's have talked a lot about this period of time that we're in. Over the years, they forecast 2017 to 2024 as major transition years for the planet and for us as a people and that it would involve our systems and that how we navigate these changes is going to be crucial in the years to come. So from my perspective, what I'm witnessing is if you like the shaky ground of the world that we used to know, there's a shadow side to that, of course, but if you like the positive side of that is that we get to recreate who we are and we get to let go of some beliefs or ideas that we had that were being held in place by those systems. The shadow side of the systems is, are we allowed to influence those systems going forward? And I think that's the big debate and observation that's going on on the planet right now. How involved are we the people allowed to be? And the Z's have said that our involvement is going to increase in the years to come. And so there will essentially be more of a revolutionary energy on the planet, which will show up in different ways. It will look different from different angles, but that we're, we've come to a period of our history that simply can't go forward the way that it has been lived for this past hundred or so years. So. It's going to be an interesting time to navigate, but I'm not at all surprised you've broken out and created change. And I think you'll find lots of good company because there are so many people who feel either new about their lives or navigating this new world that we're in, which many people are waking up to see as very different to anything they knew before. So good luck with what you're doing and uh, thank you for your question. Our final question today, I love your podcast. What is your favorite thing about doing it each week? My favorite thing about the podcast is the surprises that I get because in choosing and inviting guests to be on the show, we're always clear why the person is being invited onto the show, but you never quite know what magic is going to unfold in the conversation. And so for me, what I love about it most is those moments of surprise that pretty much happen with virtually every guest, I would say, where they'll say something about their experience or the way they see the world and I get to learn. And that is the nicest thing about it for me. And that's the most surprising. There is always a co-creation that happens in conversation that you can't predict and you can't uh, bank on, it just unfolds. So I often feel very uplifted by not only the conversations themselves or what I might learn from an individual, but just by meeting so many people who are doing things with such consciousness or such heart or such innovation, um, I find it very touching actually. And I didn't know that would be something I would experience when I first had the idea to start this show almost three years ago. So um, I'm really glad you're enjoying it and thank you from me and the whole team here who produce it. So thank you for tuning in today. Hope you've enjoyed this Ask Me Anything episode. And if you want to submit a question for consideration, go to Apple Podcasts. And if you leave us a review and put your question in the review, we will go through those questions before we record the next of these shows. Thanks so much. Take good care of yourself. As we continue to navigate these very changing times on Earth, I'm really happy to be bringing back transmissions. 
This is my summer channeled online experience, now in its third year. Every year is unique, just as the last few years have brought radical changes to all of our lives. This year, the theme is Elevate Your Vibration. My guides have given me four sets of themes which they want to deliver across four live broadcasts. The beauty of being live together for each broadcast is I get to be in person with your community energy, but if you can't make it live, don't worry. Everything will be video replayed, archived, and you'll have lifetime access to the material. The themes we will be looking at each week are allowing abundance and presence into and through you, cultivating joy, love, and peace, and creating with those in the world. Integrating new levels of clarity, awareness, and healing with ease. And finally, rising into your highest purpose on earth. You can experience it as a healing, a shift, an inspiration, and many of our past participants have talked about the impact it has had on their lives and their year ahead. To support you through the journey of the course, you will have access to a private community forum away from social media so you can share with other participants. There will be written transcripts of each broadcast that will accompany the replays. Stephen Washington will be bringing a special Qigong sequence to the course. We have a series of video and audio integration support tools from me and members of my team. And lastly, a 10-track downloadable compilation music album from artists at Golden World Music. To check out more details about this experience and to see if it's for you, you can visit my website leeharrisenergy.com or use the link underneath this video. If it resonates with you, we would love to welcome you to join us for Transmissions 2022.